We play and call it work. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's Sit and Talk. I am Luca, and I will answer your questions. Last week, it was Cullen and Josh, and there you left questions for me. I was supposed to do this yesterday, but I got distracted by World of Warcraft videos and building models. And oh, how the time does fly. How the time does fly. Now, here I am, the next morning, ready and eager to answer your questions. And very hungry for some reason. Oddly hungry. Anyways, I say we get down to it. Now, for next week, it is going to be the mountain. It will be Steve who will be answering your questions. So, if you have any questions for Steve, maybe even follow-ups after what I say in this episode, leave them down below in the comments on miniwargaming.com. Not YouTube. Those ones should be disabled, though they might not be. And if they're not, he won't see them there. He is only going to be looking for the comments on the actual website. So go to miniwargaming.com. If, well, if you're already there watching it here, just leave a comment down below on the website. If you're watching this on YouTube, go to miniwargaming.com, find this video, and then leave your comments down below this video there, and Steve will try his best to get through all of them. He's typically pretty good at getting through all of them. I am the one who suffers. I get through like 10% of them in my allotted hour, and then the last five minutes I have to power through the rest. So I will try and do uh, better today, which I say every time. And uh, yeah, let's get right into it. The first question is gonna be from Mentality. Uh, if I was a naughty kitten, and you had to hide your hairball in someone's stuff, here at Mini Wargaming, who's and what stuff would you hide it in? It would absolutely be Steve's stuff. It would be, and this, this is with the intent that he finds it because half the joy for cats is watching humans find them, which is malicious and I enjoy that. Um, Steve is gonna end up finding this bad boy. <laughs> There's, anywhere works. <laughs> I just thought of like three different spots. Like, that's good, that's good, that's good. But which one's the best one? I'm thinking maybe the drawer he opens up when he goes for his modeling tools. Or maybe it's right there on his chair. Or maybe it's in his coffee cup. Or, <laughs> or maybe it's like floating <laughs> in his like paint water cup. They're all disgusting for him. I mean, I don't care, whatever. Hairball's a hairball. Steve's the queasy type though, typically. Uh, I think all those options are great. You could, you could just bam right there on his desk. It could be like, maybe even slightly behind his keyboard a little bit, just, just poking up a little bit. Just a little bit. And then you have another part of this question here. It says, Luca, will you please leave a message for Steve? Yes. <laughs> I will. <laughs> Can that message be anything? I don't see, unless you, I'll, you know what, I'll refresh the page because maybe you left a third comment with what the message might be, in fact. Let's just go ahead and do that. So. Back to the hairball thing. It's odd. It's an odd question. But I like it. There is no, no, okay, no fault. I will leave him a message for you mentality. I will leave him a message for you. All right. Next one. We've got uh, Jcraw91, Mr. Of the Dice. I recently got into Age of Sigmar and have been watching all y'all's battle reports. And I'm curious why none of you are playing the Iden of the Deepkin. Well, let me tell you, Jay Craw, Steve used to. When they first came out, they were an absolute 100%. Sorry, I just noticed something else. Uh, uh, they were an absolute 100% new army that he was gonna get elves, Steve, locked in, done. 
He had bought them, painted them very quickly, and he played a lot of games. So if you want, go and check out some of the older Age of Sigmar battle reports, and you will find a lot of items at Deepkin. You just have to go back far enough. And it's it won't be in the current season of Age of Sigmar battle reports. We're probably, ooh, we're talking before Luke of the Dice and Gaming with the Mountain. There's probably a couple Gaming with the Mountain ones at the Deepkin. Regardless, he had gotten really good with them, and he had one or two lists with them. He didn't have a whole lot of variety um, because back then, well, they didn't really have a huge model line anyways. I don't think they really increased on that at all either. So you get eels, big turtle, namardi, and um, the sharks that are bad, but they're kind of cool, and like a bunch of characters. And that is essentially it, but... He, ah, he just went, he just won a bunch, and he didn't like the way, the means he was winning. He, he found, this is back mostly when we were recording with guests a lot too, so a guest would come in from far away, and they're like, oh, I want to play against Deepkin, and then he'd throw down, and the game would end on, on maybe abruptly, and he was, he was just not happy with how consistent they were playing. So he's decided to get rid of them at the time, and he also got rid of his one Seraphon list, which was the Thunder Lizards at the, oh, was it the Thunder... I can't remember the name of the battalion, but it was focused around the Bastilladon, who'd get, like, you could either be Savage, or you could be, you would declare one of two states your battalion would be in, you'd get, like, reroll hit rolls, or reroll say rolls, or whatever, something like that. It was, it was super oppressive, you just, you would just summon skinks every turn to tie up your opponent, you'd shoot things with Bastilladons, that was it. That was the list that he ran in. He got rid of that one, too, because he didn't like how that one was playing anymore. And he, he's typically uh, the kind of guy who will sell literally any army he's built or painted, um, if people want it bad enough, but... There's a couple he'll, like his Iron Warriors, his new Iron Warriors he'll never sell, I don't think, and his Beasts of Chaos he just loves too much to sell, I believe, as well, because they're, they're in like a perfect state. He's, he's found this way to build an army, specifically badly, poorly, but still win with it, which is nice, and that's, that's, that's where he wants to be with his armies. Now, for the follow-up to that question, he is also buying Deepkin again. So yes, Deepkin will be back on the channel. Probably should have said this earlier. He's going with a... I can't remember if he bought like an entire line of a collection or if he's focused on like a Namardi build again with a little bit of the Eel Riders. I can't quite remember. Though the, the Marathi thing, the new Marathi book coming out has a lot of Deepkin rules in it and he his interest has been peaked because he was going to work on his Slanesh forces. And then, because, they're, because they work in so many game systems for Games Workshop. And he decided, okay, well, now he's, now he's on the fence. He doesn't know if he wants to work on his Deepkin or his uh, Slanesh, uh, Demons of Slanesh Army. So I, I'm not too sure where he's going to go with that one. But once he's finished painting up his 40k Iron Warriors, which he's nearly finished, he is going to start working on one of those two armies. And if it's Deepkin, well, then you'll have more Deepkin battle reports on the channel. Now that other battle tomes have come out and the Deepkin aren't as oppressive as they once were back then, it's not that big of a deal, probably. Or, or maybe it is, and we'll just deal with it. Uh, I think the Deepkin are a beautiful-looking army. They have weird rules for elves. They're very defensive, fast, and can hit hard, though they focus on the other two aspects. In the form of the Yule Riders that just ignore Rend, and they get plus one of their save when they charge. It's like a three-up save, ignoring Rend. It's, it's wild. Absolutely wild. And obviously the Big Turtle giving out cover, though I think some of the rules have changed. I think the turtle got better. Like the the the, the one the one thing is with the Morathi book, it looks like the Deepkin got a lot better. Their battalions got cheaper. Uh, some rules were changed around on some of the the war scrolls. I believe don't don't quote me on all that stuff, but it looks like they overall got a little bit better. So maybe they were suffering a little bit and they needed the help. 
Uh, this is a follow-up for mentality. It's another question. What happened to what happened to Monday's videos? That was this Monday that went up. We didn't have any videos for Monday, uh, which I, we apologize for. We uh, we had a couple people that were sick all week, and I, I was busy doing other things for later in the week that I already planned out. And I, I need a second person to work with uh, for to make the Monday videos. So it just it just didn't happen. It was just. Uh, Unfortunate circumstances, you know, we are a small company, so if a couple people do end up being sick, then the content will suffer. It rarely happens, which is nice. I can't remember the last time we haven't put out something. It's, it's been, been a good while, but it does happen sometimes. So you'll get your Monday content next week, though. I, that I promise you. All right. Next question is from Arashiha. Luca, 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 any word on the Warhammer 40k Risk game? Yes, actually. I believe that's going out today maybe <laughs> as you're watching this it should be going out today uh, or next Saturday if it's not going out today it should be going out next Saturday should be would be could be I didn't record it I had no part of that that was Dave and Rob and I think Tom Shuby actually from a remote like connection I'm not too sure but it might have been I wasn't in the room I just heard his voice and it popped in for a second said what's up and that's all I really know. It's Rob. If you remember Rob, the old editor. Old. <laughs> the editor before Cullen, though Rob so happens to also be old. So <laughs> take it for what it is. I just, we always like to make fun of his age. Um, but he, you know, he'd always give it back to because we're not that far behind him. Anyways, uh, yeah, that's coming out today, maybe next week. I know it's coming out on a Saturday, and this should be going out on a Saturday. So yes, yes, soon soon if not now uh, we got another question from Mylin. I still don't know if I'm pronouncing your name correctly I hope I am and I apologize every time if I don't at Luca can you give Josh a little crap for me okay I'll try to in the Space Wolves slash Death Watch review that we we did he basically bashed psychers the entire time uh, okay and he said he never brings them I feel like he's totally blocked out the fact that he brings them like every game with guard okay it's true so this was this this might be a perception versus reality thing. He used to do that a lot uh, when he played. He hasn't played traditional guard for a while. Uh, Astra Militarum. Whenever he played Astra Militarum, he would absolutely have a primary psyker. Absolutely, you're 100 right. But he's played Scions for the last couple of months, and he he has no psychers for a Scion. It has been a long time since he's played guard. Traditional guard, not the elite Scions. Uh, he does hate psychers. He really, really cannot stand psychers. He hates fighting against them. And he doesn't, he honestly, he probably doesn't mind bringing them. He just doesn't consider them an asset to a list when he builds it. He doesn't, he doesn't like them. He doesn't like what they, the random factor of them. He doesn't like that. Because, you know, you, you could spend 100 points on a Psyker that does effectively nothing in your game. It's kind of a gamble when you bring a Psyker, right? Their powers could essentially never work. But their powers, when they do work, can be greatly beneficial to your army. He doesn't like them. I like. I, I. I pretty much bring a psyker every game if I can. Uh, you know, not including Necrons in that one. But any anytime I'm playing Death Guard, I'll absolutely have psychers in Death Guard. I'll absolutely have psychers for. I'll actually have a Rune Priest for sure for Space Wolves. And then right now I'm kind of just focusing on those three armies. But I've I've dabbled in others. If I'm playing Black Templar or World Leaders, I obviously won't bring a psyker. But you'll you'll typically see a psyker in every one of on my list. Josh does not like them. But yes. He did bring Primaris Psychers a lot when he did play traditional Mordian Astra Militarum. They were, they were a good addition. It was just nice to have the Smites or the, I believe it was called Night Shroud or 
the Emperor's Protection. I can't remember. There's a couple good psychic powers, like a negative one to hit and a plus one to your saving throw psychic power. Those are both pretty good. Uh, every, like, mm, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I can give him some crap, but it has been a while since he's played with psychers. Next one is Smiling Kira. Luga, Luga, Luga. Hi, hope you're having a great day. I mean, it's okay so far. I'm hungry, but I mean, I'll resolve that shortly. I got only a few, only a few questions. Awesome. Okay, so the first question. Uh, do you agree that for a pure single clan, only Skaven build in Age of Sigmar, currently it is only viable for Scryer and Pestilence? Ooh, I see. Like, can you not play Molder? Do you agree that for a pure single clan, only Skaven build and Age of Sigmar are currently the only viable options are Scryer and Pestilence? Well, smiling Kira, I cannot really fully answer this one because I've not tried pure Molder out yet. Or, uh, like, oh, I can't remember the name of the other clan. Like, there's Eshin. Like, Eshin, yeah, Eshin is, you, you could play all Eshin if you wanted to. You're not really getting much out of that. And is it Verminous for, for the big hordes of rats with like um, storm vermin and clan rats? Is that verminous? Okay, well I will say, and by viable, you know, that could, that could be interpreted in many different ways. You could play all Eshin, it, you could make a viable Eshin list, probably won't do anything, but it's legal and that's technically viable, or do you mean viable as in, comp I'm gonna assume you mean in a not necessarily competitive sense, but in the sense that you'll probably win your games. You'll, you, you'll win your games as much as you'll lose your games. You can play up, you can play down, you have more flexibility with it. And that's probably what you mean by viable. I would say probably yes, though. I would, I would assume Molder can play pretty well. I would, I gotta imagine Molder can. They have Hellpit Abominations, Rat Ogres, um, Master Molders, and that's gotta play. And you could, you could bring, um, Oh, can you bring rat ogres or um, storm fiends in that one? Can they be battle line if you're only molder? Because I know they have the molder and scryer keyword, but I, don't, I can't remember if they can be battle line for both. So I know pestilence and scryer, I've played the most and I've had the most fun with scryer, like 100%. And yes, those ones are very viable on their own. Molder, I would assume could be, but I've never tried it because we don't have the collection. That's why I haven't tried it. We don't have the collection to represent that army properly. And as for the other ones, yeah, those ones are a little tougher to pull off. Those ones need to be mixed in with the other clans, which was kind of typically always what they did in Warhammer Fantasy Battle. Like Skaven in general, in sorry, my nose is in Warhammer Fantasy Battles, it's always been a mix. You'd have a little bit of Molder, a little bit of Scryer, uh, a little bit of the clan, the representation from the clans, like you know your clan rats, your storm vermin, and you know maybe throwing some storm fiends and uh, stuff like that. But it was, you wouldn't often see an army that was, oh, maybe, I mean, you could. You could see an entire clan scryer army and all that. But, oh, okay, my only experience with Skaven and Warhammer Fantasies was Cullen. But for Age of Sigmar, I've really only ever played them as they are. I mean, I would play scryer with clan rats, or I would play pestilence. Oh, you know, I've never played pestilence with clan rats. Not that I really want to. I, I like the plague monks a lot, so they kind of fill that, that hole that the clan rats would fill out. There's no point in really bringing clan rats if you're going to bring... Plague Monks, they're both equally not durable. Uh, Plague Monks dish out a butt ton of damage though, so that's always nice. I, 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 I think you're right. I'm pretty sure it's pretty much Pestilence or Scryer if you want to go only in on one of them. But I, I, Molder, I try out Molder if you, well maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Molder isn't viable, so I'm not too great there on that one. Uh, next question is, which Skaven clans uh, between Master Clan, Molder, Eshin, and Verminous roster do you think Games Workshop would update first? They could... See, they can have fun with all of that. 
right? But Molder might be the most fun. But like an Eshin or a Verminous revamp with new models could also be fun. It'd be weird. Like I'm trying to think of the Verminous build and it's it's just humans, but they're rats. It's like a very human-esque, like a very Cities of Sigmar-esque army. It would be, right? When you think of it, it would just be... It would just be a massive hordes of pretty okay infantry or pretty bad infantry, you know, based on whatever you want to bring, you know, swordsmen or great swords. Those are that's an example. Or sorry, free guild guard or great swords. Or you could have clan rats or storm fiends, right? Or storm vermin. I mean, sorry. Uh, the most fun would probably be Molder if they wanted to bring out new rat ogres, new helped abominations. The helped abominations not that old of a kit. It kind of looks pretty cool still. They could come up with weird amalgamations from there to uh, other breeds of rat. <laughs> you could have, because uh, I'm pretty sure for them, rat ogres is a battle line. They would need new HQs and stuff like that. So Molder, they probably have the most fun with. Eshin is hard because that's like, it's your assassins, your, your scouts, your infiltrators. And it's, it's kind of hard to make a standing army representing that where they're sneaking around the battlefield. Maybe it'd be kind of a cool, like, you, the whole idea is you don't deploy anything. You put like markers, like you, you, you put down markers where things might be, but your opponent doesn't know what they are, kind of like the Gene Stealer cults. And like you never reveal them until you get to a certain distance away and then they can pounce out and attack you and there might be another unit there. They could have some fun with that. Though I'm not too sure where their path would be for that. I would, I would gravitate towards Molder because I think that would be the easiest one to do and the most unique. And they typically want to do that for Age of Sigmar. Like what is the most unique thing they could possibly do? If you look at any of the armies, they're all crazy unique. The least unique one is, I kind of want to say Cities of Sigmar, but I mean, I'm not saying it's not unique. I'm just saying it's probably the least unique out of the armies. If, when you consider what all the other armies really, really are in this like grand fantasy setting. And the next, the third question of four is, which Skaven clans of the six you personally want to get updated with new units slash roster? I'm, I've always been a big fan of Scryer. Always, always, always. Our collection for Scryer is very old. Sc old school Warhammer models. They are metal. They're not nice to look at. And I would like to see them nicely updated. But I mean, they've already gotten, like Stormfiends are pretty new. We got the new character out of the Feast of Bones? No, that's a different pack. I'm trying to, what was the Skaven and the Flesh Eater Court one? Because it got the new the rocket engineer, the engineer that has the rock doom rocket. There we go. And so he's kind of new. I, I would I would go towards Scryer or I would go towards Molder. Those ones have always interested me the most. Uh, Scryer needing like you don't really need new Scryer ones though. Like they're fine, but like they could be cooler if they were new too. Probably Molder. You know what? I'll say Molder because that one probably needs it more than Scryer, but I'm okay with either one of them. And the fourth part of the question, do you think Games Workshop will ever make a Verminlord for Mulder and Scryer? Uh, they could. I mean, talking about updating those lines, they, that, a Verminlord, a new Verminlord would be a great addition to either one of those lines. Uh, there's, how many Verminlords are there now? I'm not that well versed when it comes to Skaven. I've only really dabbled in Pestilence and Scryer, more as something to do when I don't know what else I want to do when it comes to death. If I don't feel like playing death today, I'll, I'll probably go towards uh, Chaos. Oh yeah, if I don't want to play death, I'll go towards Chaos, and that's usually Corn, Nurgle, or Skaven. And, I mean, I've only probably, I, I probably played less than 10 games with uh, Skaven uh, altogether, or maybe pretty close, pretty close to 10, but I, I, I could, 
I could see them. Vermin Lords a great new model. Like the Vermin Lords are very epic, very nice models. Uh, they're a great addition to any Skaven. Well, they're kind of weird. There's like, I have a, I have a gripe with a couple of the Vermin Lords because they're like pretty underpowered, but they're not that expensive either. But they look okay. It's one of those. It's a very imposing big model that it's like 200 points, 220 points. It's not the end of the world. You know, it's not like it, if it dies, whatever. It doesn't really matter. It's but they look like they should be about 400 points to 500 points and do so much more. Do you know what I mean? It's just, I'm a little disappointed with them. I'd rather them be more points and do really cool epic things as opposed to being kind of subpar, but not really being that expensive either. So it doesn't really matter. Uh, again, I'm not that well versed in Skaven, so I don't really know uh, how powerful the Vermin Lords really are, but I could, I could see, you know, Games Workshop doing um, something for Molder, something for Scryer, maybe, I mean, It'd be, I think it'd just be, I think it'd be a great addition. Okay. Oh, hey, we got another one from Mylin. At Luca, my buddy plays Necrons, and I'm curious if you have any advice or strategies for dealing with Catans. Nightbringer and Void Dragon in particular. I play a variety of armies, mainly Space Marines, but still get my face eaten by these. Okay, well, it's unfortunate that you play mainly Space Marines because they don't really, I mean, you could try and tangle with a Catan. I wouldn't. I would just ignore it. It only moves, it only moves eight inches when you think about it. So it doesn't move that fast. It can't advance and charge. Uh, the best way to deal with them is to throw 30 inexpensive models at them and that would, and just keep, and then they fall back, just charge them again with it and just like make sure you're, hopefully your models don't run away. Maybe that'll tie them up for a couple of turns. It's, you can't, no character can go toe to toe with them, especially the Nightbringer. Uh, the night, like the, um, the best way to counter them is with the Nightbringer. The Nightbringer is the best counter to any Catan shard. I don't know. It's, 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 they are very, they're very expensive. They are, but they're very good at the same time. Again, especially the Nightbringer. I like the Void Dragon a lot, but the Nightbringer performs, I think, a little bit better. The Void Dragon can heal more and do more damage if vehicles are around, but, I mean, that's assuming there's a lot of vehicles around. But between them, your best bet is to ignore them. Every time I played, I've lost the Nightbringer. I play, only played him twice. I lost him in one game, and that was against Steve, but he, I want to say he put a lot of focus into it and didn't, he was afraid of it at first, didn't know what to do, then he approached it and he actually took it out. No, did he? Or did he just get it really low? No, he did, he, he did eventually take it out because I remember it exploding. And um, on a, uh, with, I believe it's Necrodermis, the world that lets it explode, which also is this 4-up and bone. Or is it? It's one, it's, it's one of his rules that he explodes. I just, I just remember him blowing up. And he... I had to put a lot of focus into it that one phase. It's it's kind of weird. It's space marines can obviously kill them in a turn. You have to you have to make sure you shoot them. Ideally, have a psyker or a couple of psychers that will do some mortal wounds to them and then charge them. They're not that hard to kill. They're not that they're not that durable. They're toughness seven and four up in bone. Their durability comes in their crutch rule, and I'm not a big fan of the rule. I think it is a big crutch, but if they had lookouts there, they'd be really obnoxious at the same time. So they can't not have this. They would be if they if they kept the no lookouts rule and they couldn't uh, take more than three and and if they didn't have the rule where they take they take their full uh, full uh, allotment of wounds then they'd be awful they'd just be shot turn one dead no they'd be no threat I'm not gonna pay points for that but the crutch rule keeps them going but if they had lookouts there they might be a little too good but at the same time without the lookouts rule you don't really care where they go they can go and take out a they can go control a quarter of the table half the table on their own with their threat. You know, you stand right in the middle of one half of the table and then just go back and forth wherever you need to be to take out whatever threats are there. I've had, like, they, their killing potential is ludicrous. It is 
absolutely ludicrous, their killing potential. And the Void Dragon can, like the, the Nightbringer ignores invulnerable saves inherently, whereas the Void Dragon can do it with uh, Entropic Strike. Uh, it's, 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 they're both so good. I would, if you're playing Space Marines and you don't have a couple of Psychers or a means to kill them in one turn, or maybe you just want to kill them over the course of a couple turns, you feed them units. You, you, just, you just surround them. You, you make it so they can't move too much and they're forced to charge whatever it is, like something super cheap, like five intercessors, and hopefully he just doesn't kill those five. Like, chances of kill, killing five intercessors is like, eh, it's like six attacks, twos and twos, right? And probably gonna, and, and a two up. So at some point in those six attacks, you'll probably end up messing up, and one of those uh, intercessors will probably survive. And then therefore you've tied him up for a turn at the cost of 100 points, assuming he has no upgrades on the intercessors. So that's not too bad right there. That you typically don't want to try and kill them unless you have the Psyker to do it, because that's where you want to you want to, or maybe over the course of a couple of turns of shooting, just plan out to do three damage to him a turn. And then I'd say I, I would I would just say do three damage to it. And then in the first turn of shooting, if you can, typically they hide behind obscuring terrain. Uh, so the first turn's kind of a wash on that one. And then maybe have something like shoot out of line of sight though, so that might help. And then they're going to heal the wound, and then maybe shoot, charge, and hopefully kill it, or shoot, psychic power, charge, and then hopefully kill it in that turn. Failing that, just ignore it, or feed it a unit a turn just to distract it, and it so it can't do any collateral damage to your actual army, and it just, it just takes away uh, small things. It, this, is, this is one of those units that's just better than everything else in close combat, and it has defenses against shooting, so take that for what it is. I, I think they're excellent. Uh, are they too powerful? Whatever. No, I don't think so. They're... I, I've seen some competitive Necron lists, and they, they, don't, do, they do not incorporate uh, the Catan. The Catan are just, they're a feel-good unit for the Necron player to, to know you have this one thing on the field that is stronger than anything your opponent probably has on the field. And it, it's nice to know that, but it does not mean it's overpowered. or um, You just have to play around it. You just ignore it. You know, it's like someone brings a knight, and you don't have the weapons to deal with it. You just ignore it and let it run rampant around and do, just let the knight do whatever it wants to do, and then you just go focus on the objectives. But... As a person who doesn't like that advice, being myself, I understand that that can be frustrating. I don't like the idea of like, I hate knowing that the person, especially if I'm playing Space Marines, the person across from me has something better than any of my stuff in close combat and it's gonna be hard to kill in, in shooting. I hate knowing that. So you just have to play the objectives, unfortunately. The uh, next question is uh, Baron Von Bobo. Dearest Overlord Luca 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 of the Dice, not really a question, but your buddy quotes, I'm going to fold your clothes. Oh, buddy, I'm going to fold your clothes while you're still wearing them. It made me shoot my drink out of my nose, so you owe me a keyboard. <laughs> buddy, I'm going to fold your clothes while you're still wearing them. That's, uh, that's one of my favorite sayings. I love it. Or, you know, another good one is, you know, if if you don't if you don't quiet up, I'm gonna come over to your kitchen and rattle your cupboard doors. It's uh, it's a good one. I I like both those. Those are those are those are always good fun. Gonna fold your clothes while you're still wearing them. Oh man, I can't. I, I, that one is so old. I can't. I can't remember where I heard that. That's just <laughs> that's just a good Canadianism. Maybe it's strictly from Ontario, though. It could be you know Canada broadly. Typically, the accent is like. The further east you go, starting from like British Columbia, the further east you go, the accent starts to pick up. And I'm in Ontario, so it's like pretty east of you know eastern part of Canada. Not quite there's the east coast. You know you got like Nova Scotia, New Brunswick, and 
you know, Newfoundland. <laughs> the accents get pretty thick all around there. You know, thinking about BC accents, I'm not too sure. And for some reason, Minis those from Minnesota have a pretty similar accent, though they just use different words, different vocabulary, but the foundation of the accent's still kind of there. I don't know the question or the statement wasn't really too much about accents, it was more about the sayings. And every now and then I'll, I'm curious on what sayings are inherently Canadian and I'm always impressed to find out which ones actually are and which ones aren't. And you know, like how is that not like a common saying everywhere in North America? How is that only Canadian? And okay, whatever, fine, sure, I get it. Uh, next question here is by Rogue. Oh, it's literally just Rogue. <laughs> I don't know why I expected more than Rogue, but uh, Luca, 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 least favorite unit to play against in Age of Sigmar? Ooh, that is a good question, because I have the Castellan robots in Warhammer 40k. Cannot stand them. Would rather see them never exist or never have a presence in a game again or make them 500 points a model so no one wants to play them. So Age of Sigmar, let's see. Least favorite unit in Age of Sigmar? That is a heck of a question. It's just, it's such a different game with how things work. It's definitely something Josh uses for sure. Like, I'm almost certain of that. So there's some, there's, we'll, throw, we'll throw, some, throw some aggro over at Josh. It's gotta be something he uses. I'm trying to think of the Ogre Mod Tribes book and nothing in there really. Like, the, the Frost Lord on Stonehorn, I don't like it, but it's, I've, I've killed it a bunch of times. It's very killable. It's not the end all be all unit. Maybe, maybe I don't have one in Age of Sigmar. Hmm. Iron Guts are super scary. They hit like trucks, but I don't hate them. You respect them. What is something I absolutely hate because it just always does something that annoys me? I typically hate units that are just... I always want to play a nutrition type game. I want my side to have the most durable stuff. I want to always be able to know that at the end of the game, my opponent will be... Regardless of the score... I will be up in units and models and army to my opponent because I will win the game of attrition. It just depends on how much my opponent was able to slow me down and get to the objectives. That's the game I always want to play. So if my opponent has a unit that can outdo me in that regard, I hate that. I absolutely hate that. But what is that unit? I was thinking, I'm thinking death on death maybe, but... Oh man, that's a tough question. I don't think I have one. I actually don't think I have one. I can't think of one unit where I'm like, I can't believe you're bringing that. Just please don't bring that. It's like, stuff like that. It's just, I haven't played against the Sons of Behemoth a, a lot. I, I would, I would I, I, I'm trying to think of like comparisons to 40k. I don't like Knights. I don't like Castellan Robots. But I mean, when you take those, like Castellan Robots don't really have a, I'm trying to think of like Storm Fiends, but those are pretty easy to kill. Something that has a lot of shots and it's very durable, but... There's, in, when it comes to Age of Sigmar, nothing, there's not a lot of things that are very durable other than the armies I typically play, which are like um, Nurgle or, sorry, Magikin or the Bone Reapers with the Mortec Guard, that, 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 with uh, Catacross down, that kind of build. I don't, I don't think I hate one. I know that... Josh hates a lot of the armies I play. Pretty much anything death-related or anything that comes back on mass, he hates that stuff. I think I'm actually... There's a lot of things in Age of Sigmar I just don't hate. I just I think it's a great game, and I think it, because of the design of it, it's, it's easy to not hate things.
right? Or am I just, I just, yeah, I don't know. There's, I don't know. I just don't think I hate anything in Age of Sigma. I dislike some things, sure. I, I do dislike Iron Guts because they're scary and I have to be very mindful of playing around them. I dislike... I just, maybe I just dislike anything that makes me use my brain too much. If I have to do too much critical thinking, I dislike it. You know, sometimes I just want a cool, chill game. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I want to think. I, I honestly don't think I hate anything. Sorry it took so long. Hey, this is uh, Cullen. I'm almost certain it's Cullen. Cullen, Cullen, Cullen. I, uh, unless someone took... Is this you, Cullen? Oh, okay, no, it is both of them. It, yeah, it is definitely both Josh and Cullen. Okay, so Paddington's, Paddington's... Paddington Sloth is Cullen. Mr. The Dice, can you please play an army using the maximum number of the new Space Wolf Hounds of Morkai you can fit in one list? Also, you're not allowed to play it against Thousand Sons of Grey Knights. <sighs> yes, guys, I realize it's your name. We had discussed the Hounds of Morkai. <laughs> I will do it. I will absolutely do it. Don't even care. It's not going to be a good game. Whatever. <laughs> I'll play it because I should show off new stuff. I should show off new things. And I haven't even read Josh's question, which is next, but I assume it is something very similar to this. The Hounds of Morkai are not great. But it's kind of cool the Space Wolves have a unique Primaris unit, right? It's kind of like the uh, Blood Angels have Death Watch Intercessors, which is essentially the same idea. It's just Intercessors with a Blood Angel twist, and the Hounds of Morkai are just Reavers with a Space Wolf Anti-Psyker uh, twist. Maleficarum and all that good stuff. Okay, well, the maximum would be 30, I believe. So, sure. I don't know if we have 30 Reavers. 30 Reavers with the loadout. See, this is the best part. We have 30 Reavers, but we have about 15 with the bolt carbine, and we have about 15 with the, the combat knife and the, the pistol. Pew, pew. Uh, so I could probably only run 15, three squads of five, because uh, for whatever reason, their loadout doesn't work. You know, the Hounds of Morkai cannot take the bolt carbine. They can only be built one, and they have to have a grab shoot. It's wild, folks. It is wild. Now, if I'm fighting against like a demon prince or something, that then the Hounds of Morkai seem a lot more intriguing. Okay. No, no, Josh. I just read Josh's question. Okay. Luca, 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 can you please stand up and demonstrate how Geralt fights in the first Witcher video game? One of my favorite video games of all time is the Witcher one. I have beaten it more times than I care to admit. And it has a very, it's, it's mid-2000s we're talking here, maybe mid to late 2000s. I think off the top of my head it came out in like 2007, maybe 2006. And, you know, made by CD Projekt Red, the geniuses. And it uses a, it's a role-playing game. I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with The Witcher. I'll be at the TV series is out now. There's a book series. There's been three video games. This is back when the first video game came out and then the book series was mostly unknown in North America. It was uh, Europe, it's Polish. And I, I, don't, I definitely don't think it was translated at this time. I think it was just made by the Polish game company, CD Projekt Red, and they had then translated the game to English and then it made its way to North America. I like how this question's gone on to a history of The Witcher. And what was I going to say? Something about... I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure The Witcher is kind of like a national treasure for Poland as well because I'm pretty sure Geralt's on their stamps and, and other things as well. Now... 
it's all in the name of good fun, I suppose, but okay. They have ridiculous animations for how he fights because it's it's a role-playing game, but it's not quite free-form like The Witcher 3 or The Witcher 2 was. It is oddly turn-based. You would choose one of three stances for Geralt to fight in. You'd either be... You'd have two swords. You'd have your steel sword or your silver sword to fight humans or monsters. And you'd have your heavy stance, your quick stance, and your air... Like, multiple enemy stance. So, you'd be, like, cleaving through enemies or, like, how to fight a quick... Like, if you're fighting against a slow opponent, you want to do quick stance. If you're fighting against a heavy opponent... Or no, maybe it's the other way. I can't quite remember. The quick stance fights against the heavy opponent. and the, it, it depends on the opponent you're fighting. They'd have a stance, and you'd have to choose one of your three stances to best counter them. If you're fighting against the hordes of enemies, you want to do the AoE stance. If you're fighting against a uh, heavy opponent, I think with heavy armor, you want to do the heavy attack stance. And then the quick stance, you want to counteract the, the quick opponent who doesn't, who's not that heavily armored, but they dodge away from your heavy attacks. I think that's what it was. Um, okay. So... It was like a weird, see I, I'm sitting down so I'm going to be out of shot, so I'm going to like squat a little bit. You know what, I'll just get on my knees. There we go. So we have Geralt of Rivia here with uh, his heavy stance. He would take his sword and he would put it above his head and he would just wiggle on the spot and he'd wiggle his sword up in the air and then he'd be like bam 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 as this heavy attack, bam bam bam. It was wildly hilarious and then the quick stance kind of need to get up a little bit more for this one because he'd have his sword and he'd have it in front of him and he would just do like one of this. Oh, let me get you. I'm going to get you. Then he'd jump in and bam, 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 bam. Jump back, jump back, bam, 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 bam. It'd be like the same thing every time. The AOE stance, he would just like, he would just spin around a lot and call it pirouettes. Uh, like, I don't know anything about sword fighting, let me tell you, but uh, it was a great time. And you got to remember, this game is old at this point. It's probably 13 or 14 years old, so they didn't have freeform combat. They, they had the illusion of it. They had the illusion that you were going in, attacking, jumping out, blocking, and dodging and all that, but it was actually turn-based, because you could only attack so often, and your attacks would do a fixed amount of damage, and your opponents would attack so often, so it was technically turn-based combat. And uh, yeah, Josh, Josh is always very excited when he asked me to re recreate or demonstrate how Geralt fights in the first Witcher game. Now, in the second and third Witcher games, you have much more freeform combat where you're actually actively blocking, parrying, dodging, moving, shooting out magic, and all that good stuff. If you've not, if you've not actually played the Witcher games and you like role-playing games, I would highly recommend them. They are my favorite, like by leaps and bounds, by leaps and bounds. When it comes to single-player role-playing games, uh, Braxis six 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 is the next question. Luca, 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 you use the term we, we like W-E-E, -E, an awful lot, and have a few other Scottish... Oh, a wee bit. I get you, I get you, okay. And a few other Scottish mannerisms. You stayed over here at all, or did your family move across to Canada back in the old days? Okay, well, I typically have this bad habit of randomly doing other, like, vocabulary... Like, I don't even know what the term is. There's like different man mannerisms. Like I'll, I'll, throw, I'll randomly throw in a southern drawl. I'll say y'all a lot. I'll, I'll say just a wee bit over there or like, you know, like stuff like that. I've, I've spent time in Ireland. I've not made it to Scotland. My, I do, I, my next trip is going to be uh, England, Scotland. I want to do that, the whole mainland there. I wanted to do it when I went to Ireland, but I got so distracted. Like there's so much to do in Ireland. I just did the whole island and I just kind of ran it. Like I, I spent three weeks there and I just, I had the whole time, I'm like, I'm, I'm going to go to like Nottingham, I want to go to London. I'm like, I just don't, I'll just do it next time. I'll just do it next time. It was, uh, didn't quite work out, but I, I would like to go to Scotland. My, my, I am Scottish, Irish, 
like technically, right? But it's like, I'm not like, like my mother was born, my mother's Scottish Irish, her parents, was it? No, no, like, yeah, so yeah, I'm like, I was not even close because my mother's parents' parents, so my great grandparents came from Scotland and Ireland. Uh, and then my grandparents were born in Toronto, Canada, and my mother was born in technically Welland, actually, in this area. And I was born in Hamilton, which is Hamilton, Ontario. So, like, myself, my mother, my mother's parents were all born here in Ontario, Canada. So, like, sure, I got that lineage, but that's like going way back, man. Like, way back. Now, the other, like my father's uh, Yugoslavian, well, he used to be Yugoslavia, uh, um, specifically from Montenegro, which is a very small country, <laughs> uh, surrounded by Serbia and Croatia and all that good stuff, and um, over uh, northeast of, if you're not familiar with where that is, that is uh, northwest of Greece, like on the other side of the, uh, the pond of uh, Italy there. And, uh, is it called the Adriatic? Is that what that body of water? It's, it's all it's connected to the Mediterranean, but my geography is failing me right now. Anyways, so my father is like from Montenegro, so like I'm ha that's why I'm, my last name is Pavicevic, so it's got a little bit of that going there. But yeah, I, I just have these weird mannerisms. Also, props on the pronunciation of the word damage. You literally damage. I, do I say it mockingly? Damage. You're literally the only person I've heard say it like that outside our wee tabletop group. Also props. I, I, I like to say, uh, so d yeah, damage is the way I typically say it, but damage is the, uh, why, I don't know, I just, like to, I just like to make fun of it. I like to say, you know, like, I like to say omniscience, you know, and omnipotent, because I, uh, I just random, I just, I just say words incorrectly. And then people like to make fun of me. But they don't know I'm saying them incorrectly on purpose. But that's okay, because that's kind of the whole point, I suppose. Oh, mentality. Another question. Hello. Luca, good afternoon. I do so hope you enjoyed that sandwich for lunch. Yes. I don't... Maybe I, I, I can attest to a sandwich I've enjoyed for lunch once. Yes. I can definitely say there's been one time I've enjoyed a sandwich. I write to you today on behalf of your dice. They have expressed to me that they will continue to roll unstatistical until their demands are met. First, you must wash them thoroughly. Second, they require the opportunity to meet new dice. At least one die must be dropped into your opponent's dice pile during your next battle rep and should continue to appear in that pile even if opponents return, even if your opponent returns that die home. Thank you for your time. Sincerely, Clad. Community for Luca's awesome dice. See, I just feel like my dice haven't been that hot recently. There was a time. There was a time where it was just almost comical. Could have been coincidental, and now parts of me think it is coincidental, that these dice were, were like, I, I, I was, I'm not superstitious, uh, typically, when it comes to odds and stats and all that stuff, and like dice rolling, you know, I roll five dice and I get nothing, but like, okay, you know, like, if I just, if, if these five dice, these five, these are my six, these are my sixes. These five dice only roll sixes, right? Like, I, I don't typically think like that, but there was a time, folks. Boy, let me tell you, there was a time where I just thought something was wrong with my dice because something wasn't adding up. Something was certainly not adding up whatsoever, and it was, like, in my favor. Like, a thousand, that's why the show is called Luca the Dice. It was just comical and I, I actually started feeling bad in some cases and then things started to normalize things went back to normal my dice all of a sudden started rolling pretty poorly like 
there was sometimes in the golden age there where I would have, say I'd play 10 games, one of those 10 games would be the most atrocious game ever. And it was just so bad. <laughs> I just couldn't do anything. My dice would betray me. But the other nine games, I could do anything I wanted. I could do anything I wanted and it would work. I'm like, oh man, 12 inch charge, get the objective and win, bam, double six. Man, I need to kill that rhino and I only have two last cannon shots. Oh, both hit, both wound, fail both saves, 12 damage. And it's just, it's like wild stuff like that. If I just, I just, oh man, if I get this smite off, I need to kill him with smite right here and he's got five wounds left, so I gotta get the big version. Bam, 11, doesn't deny it. Bam, six mortal wounds. It's just, it was awful, man. It was just so rough for my opponents. And then things went to normal. I feel like things are normal now. It could have been maybe playing against guests or or not now playing more with the content producers because the global pandemic. But you know, I don't know. Something something was very off, very off at first. <laughs> Next question is miso miso luga luga luga. We have four questions here. Will you please comma please comma ask Matt if you can play some Magic the Gathering Commander on stream or for video from Mini War Gaming? I missed your live stream game and want to see you play. Like you missed. Oh, did you miss it? That was good. So we did a 24-hour live stream. Can't remember why. And it was for like giveaways and it was just something to do. I think oh, it actually was celebrating us moving to this new building here. So this was in our old building. And uh, we did a 24-hour live stream. I think we, I was part of that whole thing. I did the whole 24 hours, I believe. And we started off by doing some role-playing in the morning. We did like a double session of role-playing. And then, was I part of that whole thing? Because it was me, Kenny, Aaron, and it was Cullen, and we had agreed to, I had convinced Aaron and Cullen to do the night shift at the stream, because I said, I'm only gonna do, the, I told the bosses, I'm only gonna do the night shift if I can play literally whatever I want all night long. And they said they didn't care, right? Just whatever, as long as it's entertaining. And I, honestly, the people that watched, I don't think they really cared that much, but there was a lot of people hanging out just for giveaways because we just did giveaways all night long. We did a lot, a lot, a lot of giveaways, man. That was a lot of stuff, we, yeah. That was kind of cool, actually. I would love to do that again. We, I stayed up all night. We played Magic the Gathering Commander for probably four to five hours. And then Kenny and I, we wrapped it up because Aaron and Cullen had to go. And then Kenny and I had like three hours left to go. And then we're like, I don't know, man, what do you want to do? We're like dead tired. And it was just, let's just play a game of Warhammer Fantasy or something. So we like started setting up a game of Warhammer Fantasy and yeah, that's where, that's where it ended for us, but a live stream of Magic the Gathering Commander. Speaking of Magic the Gathering Commander, Commander Le Legends is coming out very shortly, and boy, let me tell you, me and my friends are very excited. I love Commander. I absolutely love it in all of its forms. My roommate, Tarl, uh, who you might remember from the pandemic lockdown when him, him and I were recording content at our house, uh, did, he has a different perspective of, of Commander, and it's just, um, I'm a anything goes kind of guy. Now I do dislike infinite, like I have, I, have, I have a bunch of commander decks. I have like 15 commander decks. I've broken apart, built some new ones and they all have a different theme to them. I have my, I, I have my Luca needs to win decks. I have my, it's typically, I have a couple like Luca needs to win decks and I have the other 13 are just very thematic. I find like I got the wrath of like, I guess I'm pretty like, but they're good. They're like, they're consistently good. And I've just, I've been collecting cards for quite a while. So I've, I've, I've got an assortment of very good commander staples that I've been able to fit into all my decks. So in that regard, 
it's weird because I don't like infinite combos, but I understand that they're there. And I have a couple decks that if someone wants to throw down some infinite combo decks, sure. Like, you, typically, the per in my mind, the perfect game of Commander is plane chase in the middle, four to six people at the table, and it's you're you're there for six hours to play one game. That's my ideal game of Commander. Uh, we we've toyed around with other formats where we do like a Pokemon style or Smash Brothers style stock game where. You, you, every player loads up three decks, and then you're there for a real long time. So once you're eliminated with one deck, you are you are dealt in with your new deck. You get to choose which of your two, like two or three or however much your stock is of decks to throw into the next game that will best answer the guys at the table and stuff like that. And we have rules to deal with, like to get caught up on lands and mana and all that stuff. Kind of like you get thrown right into the game, essentially. Had a lot of fun with that. So if you're unfortunately knocked out pretty early due to lack of defensive creatures to draw or lack of just defenses in general on your board and you're just getting hit by every player, then yeah, that's going to happen again. You're going to get knocked out. But, uh, oh man, I love Commander. I love it so much. I mean, I could I could ask, but it's probably a hard no. <laughs> There's not a whole lot of interest amongst our viewers, like you, Miso Miso, will be one, and I'm sure there's quite a few others that enjoy Magic the Gathering Commander, because typically the interest and the hobbies, they do mingle every now and then, uh, but probably not enough to warrant them allowing me to do that. So I know like, Aaron and, and Cullen are still big into Magic, so I mean, we have the people here. But uh, the next question, what are your favorite, oh, what are my favorite commanders for uh, MTG and favorite color combinations and favorite stories? Okay, well, for stories, I used to, I only read the old Weatherlight stuff. So like that, those are my favorite stories because that's literally all I've read. Sorry to not be able to give you more details on that, but my favorite colors, single color black, without a doubt, like no surprise there. Black magic is typically self-harm to do more, more harm to your opponent. So like I lose, like I lose X life, but draw X cards, right? Or I like spirit drains and stuff like that. Like opponents lose life, I gain life. Uh, sacrifice my creatures for my my opponents to sacrifice creatures, stuff like that. I, that. That's my favorite way to play Magic. Now, my favorite color combination, we'll say two color combinations, Demir, that is blue and black. Blue is control magic, so when you com combine that with black magic, you get some nice combinations there. Uh, and then my favorite three color combination is probably Bug, which is black, blue, green. My least favorite colors are red and white. Uh, I typically don't care too much for red or white, just for what they represent. Red is kind of fun. I do have a lot of fun with red when paired with uh, America, which is red, white, and blue. Or Jeskai now, I guess. I can't remember what... Pe I've heard it called somebody. I've heard it called Freedom. I've heard it called America. I've heard it called Jeskai. Well, Jeskai is the actual, the, the actual name for it in the game, but... I don't mind Obzon either, I guess. Okay, when, when, you, when, you, when you're combining three different colors, they're all kind of cool in their own way. But if, if one or two, then it's definitely green, black, or black, blue, and black is the mono 100%. Uh, my favorite commanders. Well, 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 well. All of them. All, I think okay, all of the commanders I run. I run a real nasty Narset the Enlightened deck. I run a real nasty Super Friends Atraxa deck. I love... Uh, Moldroth is one of my favorite commanders by far. I think I love recursion, and Moldroth is one of the one of the coolest recursion commanders. That's where you bring things back from. Well, Moldroth has an ability when, when Moldroth is in play. I'm allowed to play one card type permanent from my graveyard every turn, so I can play like a land from my graveyard. I can play an artifact, a creature, uh, planeswalker, enchantments. Is there other permanents I'm forgetting? 
maybe, but love Mojotha, absolutely. And then my more competitive decks are like Scion of the Ur-Dragon and uh, my Chaos the Unhallowed, which is a mono black. My Chaos the Unhallowed should have never made it past R&D. My Chaos the Unhallowed, so the story behind my, my Chaos is in Innistrad, which is one of my favorite sets, he was like um, this beacon, this angelic, he was a human, he was a, my Chaos the, what was his wife, his white card name, my Chaos the, he was essentially like a bishop. He was a bishop in, in for Innistrad in this in a set. He was a very holy man. He was very much anti-darkness, all that stuff. Now somewhere in the story, he unfortunately dies, and then ironically gets resurrected as a zombie, which is so against the whole concept of what he stood for. And he's my case, the unhallowed at this point. And then going from a human lord, he becomes a zombie lord. But technically, he's not a zombie lord. You would think he's a zombie lord. He's technically and everything but he's a dragon lord, he's a merfolk lord, he's, a, he's anything you want him to be. He has non-humans get plus one, plus one and have undying. Literally every creature type in the game get plus one, plus one and undying, except humans. There's a lot of creature types in Magic the, sorry, in Magic the Gathering. I don't, he should have been zombies you control get plus one, plus one and have undying. And he has another ability. Whenever a human deals combat damage to you, destroy that human. So with my Chaos the Unhallowed, you have so many infinite combo options. It's wild. And this, I, but I have him in two different decks. I actually have him in the traditional zombie deck I meant to build him in. In fact, that's a Shepherd of Rot deck. That's a We All Lose at the Same Time deck. It's, or I went through a zombie. If, if I always have a, I, I, so for the zombie deck, I have a button that I can hit. Uh, it's like an emergency button. I mean, there's always answers to it. But if I'm losing and someone else is about to win, and I have a good board state of zombies, say I have like 30 to 40 zombies, albeit through tokens and other creatures, I can play Shepherd of Rot, throw Lightning Grease or whatever on him. Anything that gives him haste, so I can use his ability. He's got an ability where, you, you if you're not familiar with magic, when you play a creature, you can't typically use tap, I'll say tap abilities, the turn they're summoned, unless they have haste or you give them haste through other means. So you, you play Shepherd of Rot, you give him haste, and then you tap him, and all players, including yourself, lose life equal to the amount of zombies in play. Not just your zombies, but all zombies on the table. So there's been a number of times where I'm like, ah, that, that guy's definitely going to win if it gets back to him, and he's got a massive board state, and I can't get to him. I'm just going to play Shepherd of Rot, Lightning Grease. We all lose. <laughs> Let's just start a new game of Magic. And, oh boy, do they hate that. But I love it. I love it. And then, ideally, I want to try and win through actual zombies piling up and overwhelming my opponent's defenses and kind of like mindlessly throwing zombie tokens at my opponents and that does somehow work but unfortunately um i am a uh, i am a, a creature of habit and i have a lot of tutors in that deck so i typically look for shepherd of rot just in case so i'll like vampiric tutor him or i'll demonic tutor him out and i'll try and get him in any way shape or form i can and then just shepherd of rot bam game's done I don't know, it's kind of a filibuster deck in a way. Just it's like not, I guess not really. It's just, it, it just, it's just a whole lot of nothing's happening, nothing's happening. I just want this game to be done. Bam, Shepherd of Rot. I just, I love it, I love it. And then, I think I guess I've gone over most of my favorite commanders. Atraxa, Narset, Muldratha. Love my Chaos and Hollowed, but I think he was designed very poorly. He works very well with Wither Scarecrows and Triskelion. In fact, like, in, uh, my Chaos the Unhallowed and Triskelion are just, it's a two-card infinite combo to auto, like, do infinite damage. Two cards to do infinite damage. It is so dumb. So, like, the, the idea of that deck is to just tutor for Triskelion. Play my Chaos, make him Hexproof, 
Any answers? No. Tutor for Triskelion, play Triskelion, I win the game. That is not really Magic the Gathering, but it is a way to do it. And especially with that Jeweled Lotus coming out now. It's going to be so much quicker. Anyways, next question. Uh, Matt says that you used to Dungeon Master in your DM uh, in your D&D group. How did you find it and what was your DM style? Also, if you DM, will you ever run a narrative campaign, i.e. written it, DM'd it, etc.? So I have done a couple of narrative campaigns here for Mini Wargaming. I've done two Death Watch campaigns and the Fant Warhammer Fantasy Battles, um, the Horn Hornheim End Time story. Those are a little bit harder to do because of the time constraints on them. I'm very much, I love to have time to practice or prepare for DMing, so the more time the better. And it's, I like a, my style of DMing is very much, I, I, I almost never say no. I, I, I'll very, I can't think of the last time I've actually said no as a DM. And it's very much, if my, within, I've been lucky though, and I've had players that don't want, they, they've all, they all like to fall into the realm of realism. And then that's a subjective comment, I know, like, well, like, you know, it's a magical world, so realism is a little bit, you know, out of skew there. But I've had, I've been blessed with players that don't make me have to say no, if you know what I mean. And I typically like to only run dark settings. Uh, Curse of Strahd is one of my favorite modules. Uh, going all the way back to Ravenloft for Dungeons and Dragons. That is like, I'll always run that one. Absolutely always run that one, especially with a new group. 1,000% without a doubt. Used to play that every Halloween. You're, you're supposed to play Ravenloft every Halloween traditionally. You would start at level five, you're in Castle Ravenloft, figure it out. Loved it, so good. And I am currently dabbling in reading The Enemy Within for, it, it got reprinted for the new edition for Warhammer Fantasy and I've heard it is a legendary adventure. And I'm currently reading through, through the first part of it. I am going to play that with my friends at home. I want to try and convince Matt and all of them to play it, but them learning a new system. I know Matt and Steve don't have a problem with it, but there are a few newer players who are accustomed just to D&D 5th edition, and Warhammer Fantasy is a much grindier edition with charts and a lot more rules added to it and stuff like that. But that is a perfect setting for I want. The, the Empire of Warhammer Fantasy Battles is the perfect setting. Dark Woods... Trying to think of other examples. It's like, it's just, it's the, I, they try to make it seem like everything's all right, but it is not. The towns are run down. It's always raining. It's always grim. There's almost no sun. The woods are full of terrors and it's just bandits on the roads, terrible creatures nearby, orcs, beastmen, the threat of chaos. That's what the enemy within is. And I love it. Oh, and the last question, do I prefer Dungeons and Dragons or Wargaming? I do prefer Wargaming. And when it comes to Dungeons and Dragons or role playing, like pen and paper role playing games, I only typically like to Dungeon Master. I do not like to play that much. I have way more fun being the DM. Like, I will play. I will play. But I don't like to be involved in really long term campaigns if I'm going to play. I'd rather just DM it 100%. Uh, I got time. Oh no, I failed. There's so many questions. Okay, I'm going to try and just power through these guys and I will. Oh, do what I can. All right. Hey, Luca Destruct. Uh, what are your thoughts on the new line of gladiator tanks? Are they worth bringing in general only for shooting armies or others as well? Okay, they seem expensive. I don't know. I've not played with them. I've not looked into too many details on them. They... It's, it's, it's one of those... It's like... It's, this might be worth its points. I don't know. Because of the whole no re-rolling tanks are not as consistent as they should be for Space Marines. 
The plus one hits kind of nice on the one. I don't know. I'm, I, I got no good answer on you for that. It might... Sorry, I got the hiccups. It might be worth your points. But it might not be. You know. Uh, next one is uh, Louis Simon. Luca, Luca, Luca. If I'm not mistaken, the tattoo on your arm is the Phyrexian symbol from Magic the Gathering. Between them and the Necrons, I was wondering what exactly is robot zombies made you passionate about them, right? I don't know. So I've always liked Phyrexia, which is the... The, the Phyrexians were not the quite the robot zombies. They were like the robot zombies in New Phyrexia because they had corrupted Mirrodin, which is like an artifice plane of like robots and tech, not tech, but like artifice and stuff like that. So when the Phyrexian, the Phyrexian oil and the corruption got in, it, it took the form of that, which I thought was super cool. Robot zombie. I love zombies. I love black magic and like all that stuff. It's, it's, yeah, huge fan of it. Huge fan of it. I loved the Mirrodin. I loved the Mirrodin set. It was so good. And uh, I just there's something about that that corruption. I really like the idea of that kind of deep seated. Like no matter how good of an individual you are, this will corrupt you and turn you evil. I love that. Love that so much. And like the whole Necron thing is it's robot zombies in space. The whole the Necron narrative I think is very cool. But yeah, there is there is some similarities there. I never really put those two together. That's kind of funny. But yeah, that is that is the Phyrexian symbol um, from New Phyrexia, essentially. It's the mana symbol or the symbol of the set. Um, but, but, but next one is Nerm. Luca 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 would love to see your you wield the Vilka Fenrika in a crusade campaign. Crusade is the perfect way to develop sagas and characters for each unit. I couldn't agree more. Would also love to see a Death Watch style campaign featuring wolves. Basically feature, I just want to see more wolves. That's fair. I get that. Absolutely. If I get my hands or if I get involved in a crusade campaign, you better believe I'll be playing space wolves and be developing sagas. The Vilka Fenrika, the route. Oh, absolutely. Love it. Love it. We'll play it. No, I was going to play Necrons at first because they had the new crusade rules. And it looked like I was going to be in a crusade campaign, but that kind of, I got too busy doing other things. So now with the space wolves available to me, absolutely. All right. <sighs> Sham, this name, Shaman Thony. Shaman the Oni, 94. Sorry, I'm awful. Luga, 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 Space Wolves is my first army. I mainly go into 40k for painting at first, and now with 9th edition, I got into the game as well. Nice. Very excited to start a crusade. Same. I love the lore and the unique aspects that the Space Wolves offer. Part of this being their unique units, of course. If we could get another Primaris unit, uh, another Primaris Space Wolf specific unit, like the Hounds of Morkai, what would you think could be nice to see, or what would you like it to be? In addition to this, how do you think Space Wolves would react when coming in contact with their successor chapters, seeing that some of them are still on the fences about accepting Primaris Marines? Thanks, Anthony. Okay. Sham Anthony. Okay. Sham Anthony is the name. It wasn't Shaman Thony, it was Sham Anthony. So, with this in mind, I don't know much about the Space Wolves successor. I actually know more, when it comes to Space Wolves, I know a little, about, a little bit about common Space Wolves and like after the heresy and all that, but I know mostly about them during the Horus heresy and all that good stuff, but um, I, I don't know how they would deal with successor chapters, not really accepting you know the whole Primaris Marine thing, but when it comes to what unit I would like to see become a Primaris unit, uh, taking all the Primaris stuff into consideration. The Reavers, the Hounds of Morkai, sure. I mean, it, I could see it, it kind of makes sense. I would personally like to see... 
I would have liked to see the Hellblasters be Long Fangs back when the Long Fangs had their unique rules. I would have also liked to see an aggressor specific Space Wolf unit because there's something about Space Wolves and Terminators running up the board I really, really enjoy. No transports, just rushing at your opponent. I would have liked to see a, a Space Wolf specific aggressor unit. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm sorry I'm, I'm jumping through these. I'm trying to get, I want to try and get to everyone now. This is a Nicolo. Uh, Luca, 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 I love what you guys do. Since you're Canadians, does so, do some of you speak French? Um, used to comprehend it a little bit more. I can, if someone is typing it to me or speaking very slowly to me, I can understand what they're trying to say, but not well. You know what? I'm just going to go with no. I, mean, I should probably just say no, but maybe, maybe a little bit. Like, Je m'appelle Luca, or like, bonjour, je m'appelle Luca, like, and, you know, like, I can say, hello, my name is Luca, and, and stuff like that, but I can count to 100. <laughs> There's, I can, I can, like, only kind of remember some of this stuff. Luca, you always say random French words in your bat reps. Cheers from Paris. I do? What do I say? <laughs> what do I say? <laughs> I say French stuff, too. I always say random French words. Uh, I, I know I'll throw on the accent sometimes and I always just feel bad when I do. I'm like, am I being offensive right now? Like, I don't know. I just, I just have this thing. I love accents. I really, really do. So every now and then I'll just kind of like randomly start speaking in some dumb accents. But not that the accents are dumb, that I'm dumb for speaking in random accents. Uh, Shadling, I go back. Oh, sorry. Uh, and cheers from Paris. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Luca, Luca, Luca. I got back into 40K with the sisters release and just started a new Necron army. Noise with the new book. Your bat reps have been extremely helpful. I especially like the incursion level of games. Nice, okay. I have three questions if you have time. Not a lot, but I'll try. Necrons, are you finding it difficult to decide on the HQ choices for Necrons? At first, yes, but now I know what must be done. Between the various nobles, destroyers, cryptex, special characters, and the invaluable war award, it seems that HQ slot is packed with good options. Absolutely. So typically you wanna roll, if you're gonna try and play competitively with a few of the lists that are springing out that are and again, competitive 9th edition 40k isn't so much about killing stuff, it's about controlling the table and bogging your opponent down in bodies. Royal Wardens serve a great purpose in that because it lets your units fall back, shoot, and charge. So when you get tied up in combat, because that's what you want to do, you want to be able to fall back, shoot, and charge. So Royal Wardens, mandatory. Overlords with the Resorb, Orb of Eternity, almost mandatory. Very good, very good unit. And then you throw in your, I wouldn't, I don't know about, I don't, I don't think Lords are that important, but Cryptex. Especially the chrono, uh, the chronomancer right now is looking very good um, so because of the reroll charges and the invulnerable save, keeping your Necron warrior spam alive a lot longer. That is, if you're looking at a typical 2,000 point list, you're looking at two chronomancers because uh, sorry, an overlord giving you a noble, which allows you to take two cryptex in one slot, two chronomancers, and a royal warden would be my typical go-to three HQ slots filled. But you have options to bring the other ones. It's just, that would be my go-to if I'm trying to play up. Uh, a sister's question. Uh, with the new weapon updates for Imperials, what is the best weapon options for the Immolators? Heavy Bolters with nine shots at two damage, or, or sorry, the now four-shot Multi-Melter, or the old Reliable Flamers. I do like the Multi-Melters quite a bit, but I also like the, the, the Flamers too. I don't I like them all. I think the sisters got a very nice change when it uh, when you consider the, uh, the 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 holy trinity all the heavy weapon variants or all the weapon variants getting better. Heavy bolter got better. Heavy flamer got better. Multi melter got better. That is the holy trinity. That is awesome for sisters of battle. And for the immolator, I I don't think you can go wrong. 
I think you're good with any of the options there. I would like to, I'd like to have some of the multi-melter. I would like to have some of the emulator, the, the emulation flamer, emulation cannon. I think you're good to go with either of those. And then the last question is, Maggie Kid of Nurgle, what would you like to see and or what would you think the army needs in their next book update? More Rotbringers. More Rotbringer units. They only have the Pusco Blight Lords and the Blight Kings. I... I mean, the idea is you, you can throw in mortals, uh, Chaos Warriors and Marauders. You can inc incorporate demons as well. But the Rotbringers have always been beautiful models and my favorite aspect of them. But if you want to play only Rotbringers, your list is pretty limited in that regard. So I would like to see more Rotbringers. Zarbomb, 1961. Luca, I've got a few questions. Man, people are inquisitive today. Uh, do you think the can't take more than X wounds rule will become common in 40k in this edition? It's showing up more and more. Guys, it's a crutch rule. Unfortunately, 9th edition is very killy, and Games Workshop isn't quite too sure how to balance that for single big models that they don't, like monsters that they don't want to give the lookout sir rule to, like Gazgul Thraka. He would be awful if he didn't have the, the crutch rule of only taking four a turn, or the Catan Shards. If you gave, the, if you gave either Gazgul Lookout Sir or the Catan Shards Lookout Sir, they might be a little too powerful, because then they can't take any damage at all. And by the time they get up there, you know, your army's already whittled down, and by the time you can shoot at them, maybe you don't have a whole lot of shooting left. So you can't give them Lookout Sirs too much. But you can't let them not have it, because they're too easy to kill. So this is a bandage for now. I think it will show up more, absolutely. Um, I don't know how common it'll be. And which Necron Dynasty is my favorite? Well, I own Sawtech. I think Sawtech is my favorite narratively. That was before the Silent King came back because I really liked the story of the Stormlord and how he's trying to step up to the plate and unite the dynasties and all that good stuff. And then, you know, the, the narratives do change. Now the Silent King is back and Imhotep's kind of like, well, you know, I was trying to do what you should have been doing this whole time. So what gives, man? You know, and there's a little, little bit of the enmity there. Uh, third question, what factions or units do you think would be the best counter to the Necrons, um, specifically Ranimation Protocols and Catan Shard Nightbringer, because the rest are slightly underwhelming in comparison. Yes, so the Nightbringer, I have no idea. Like, the best counter to the Nightbringer is anything that can do consistently three damage in every phase. So, like, can you do, do you have impact? Like, uh, anything with imp anything that's going to do mortal wounds in the psychic phase, impact hits in the charge phase, or in three damage in the shooting phase, and then three damage in the, anything that's going to, like, Mortarian could do it. Absolutely, Mortarian could do it. The Lantern does three damage. He can throw it, Mortal Wounds of Psychic Powers. And then he could even do three damage at the beginning of the fight phase with his uh, weird aura uh, that, that happens at the beginning of the fight phase. Mortarian absolutely could do it, kill a Catan Shard right away. But if he doesn't, that Catan Shard will kill Mortarian in one hit probably. So, super, super give or take. My advice, ignore it. Let it run rampant through your lines. Screen your important stuff. Do not let it get to them. And that is it. That is your best bet. Um, and then for reanimation, countering reanimation protocols, tons of shots. You do not want to invest money. It's not money. You do, you do not want to invest points in very high damage, like multi-meltas and supercharged plasma guns, all that. That does not, reanimation protocols love that. I don't care if you do D6 damage to me. I just need to roll one roll to ignore all of it and stand back up. You want like massive amounts of strength for high AP shots. So space marines with like aggressors with bolt storm gauntlets, like even AP1 can be pretty effective and all that stuff. But now with Immortals at T5, it makes it a little bit harder there. But your competitive lists are going to be looking to run like 80 Necron Warriors, typically. Uh, the, the best counter to the Nightbringer is the Nightbringer. Whichever one swings first will kill the other one. Uh, they do supersede their, uh, the Nightbringers. The rule that the Nightbringer has, Life Drain, which says that you, uh, you can't use any rules that ignore or prevent wounds. 
uh, does supersede that you can only take X amount of wounds per phase. That is in the core rulebook uh, FAQ. It's actually errata. It was added to the rare rule section. So yeah, I mean, I would highly recommend just ignoring it and you want massive amounts of strength for high AP shots. Uh, we have Z1O Nando. Yo, Luca, what is your what is your least favorite army in either AOS or 40k? Come up with uh, sorry. What if your least favorite army in either of the games comes up with a unit of cats? Would you collect that army? Hugs. Probably not. I'm like I've never been I've never been drawn towards cats in games. I just really like cats in real life. I think they're adorable and like the the the, the shirt the art with the shirts and them doing funny things. I think I have a oh I got, I got a super cat on today. Yeah. I thought I had the Tyrannosaurus on one, but uh, it's not. I just, I, kittens are adorable, man. They melt my heart. They do every time. And puppies too. But like something about kittens, so, because they're so fast and agile, and like they jump around and get around somehow, and they're, they're, just, they're just menaces. And it's, I don't know, I love them. But I, I, probably, I probably wouldn't gravitate towards a cat army. No, like even, even armies that have cats in them now, I'm like, I don't, eh. It doesn't really get me too much. Uh, Kurt, to you, Luca, local group has been playing Blood Bowl a lot lately, the tabletops of Blood Bowl 2, maybe. I was wondering what your favorite team's models rules here were and why. Absolutely vampires. I have been playing vampires in this pr same progressive league for so long. My TV's tw like 2,700 now. I'm lined up to win this. The, the rule is there's, uh, ten of, there's 10 of us. It's going to take forever to accomplish it. I've said this uh, uh, before, though. But there's 10, 10 players, so we have 10 teams in, in our round robins. We do seasons. We do two round robins, a championship. The winner of the, only the top six make them to the championship. The winner of that championship then retires their team into a Hall of Fame. And then once every player has a team in the Hall of Fame, we will do a championship league where we all play with our championship teams and then determine a winner out of that. So about to finish, <clears throat> actually this weekend we should be finishing this season's championship up where my vampires are in first place. They, 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 they unlocked first place, so they, they, they're, they're already qualified for the semifinals. So I just have to, I probably will win. There's one team I don't want to play against because it's, it's filthy orcs with tackle everywhere on one of them. Actually, no, I think that team got knocked out already. I think I'm just, I'm set up, I think I'm good to go, I'm gold. Like, honestly, the one team I was worried about got knocked out and the team I had to fight is a, it's, so my unfortunately my throwing vampire is down so i have to play this game without my throwing vampire so i'm down a vampire he's just missing this game and i'm playing against nurgle who typically don't like passing so i think i'm going to play the running game and he has no tackle he only has one tackle so if i can deal with that tackle player i should be typically okay all my vampires have block and dodge and they and then from there they veered off into different specialties so i got like the frenzy uh, surfing vampire. I got the pile on mighty blow vampire. I've got the the sidestep diving tackle jump up vampire. I have like a cool like pass block uh, catch like intercepting vampire. I got like vampires that just do a bunch of weird. I got the stand firm guard vampire too. I got a, a bunch of cool vampires. Um, but that's my that's always been my favorite team. Have you been following the Blood Bowl 2020 rumor train a little bit? If so, what do you think of the changes? Uh, okay, it's one of those, like, the game's probably going to fundamentally feel the same way. They're just using different numbers to represent how you accomplish certain goals. And I'm happy to see they actually added the passing as a characteristic, a passing skill, as opposed to it being a straight agility check. Therefore, elves will suffer a little bit more. But so will my vampires. I don't, actually, I, I, I haven't even bothered looking. I don't, know if they, I don't know if they spoiled vampires. I don't know what the vampire passing skill will be. Kind of hope it's a two-up, but we'll see. 
Um, last question, once we were all done dealing with the Rona, do you think Mini Wargaming would host a Blood Bowl tournament? I mean, I'm sure I could convince them to do that. I, 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 would, I would probably be the one hosting it. I would love to bring my new goblin team up there to die in terrible ways. I love goblins. Now, the, the goblins, so the best player in the league is playing goblins right now in my league. And he has made it to the championships. He is, I think he's in the semifinals. Oddly enough, I would love to face him because it's typically a pretty easy matchup for me. But he does get a ton of inducing money. So I, I'm often dealing with like Ripper, Morganthorg, two trolls, and, or, you know, like, oh man, it's pretty bad, pretty rough. All right, next one, Donnie777. Hey, Luca, am I almost done these? Oh, wow, I am gonna have to go even faster. I'm gonna have to stop in nine minutes. If I don't finish these, I'm gonna try and get through them all. So, hey, Luca, these are long too. Wanted to ask if you would consider doing a Necron Legion that had been infected with the Flare virus like the campaign Necrons long ago. Keeps the uh, flayed ones with their new rules, get all the movement you need to send these flayed uh, up the board. Sorry, heaps of falters, and with the new rules to get all the movement you need to send all these flayed ones up the board, like at least three groups of 20 if possible. I only have 40. Would love to see a flesh hunting list. I would love to do something like that. We only have 40 flayed ones though, which is actually a lot because they're pretty, they were pretty expensive for that, that fine cast one. I would absolutely love to do that, but at the best I can only give you 40 flayed ones. And I can try and use some of the more, like we have some Necron Warriors and some Immortals and Lich Guard that have like the, fl the flayed skin wrapped over them, so they're kind of like they're, they're giving into the flayed one virus a little bit, they're getting there. Uh, Army 17, sorry Luca, responding to Joshua McBeardovich here. I'll tell you how people can like the Black Legion. They're a lovely story of persistence and faith. You ever heard of the little engine that could? Black Legion. Man, I don't know why I keep having to have this conversation with you. I'll mail you Talon Horus. Assuming you can read, it will change. Assuming you can read, it'll change your life. Yikes. <laughs> Oof. All right. Oh, there's obviously some sort of kerfuffle going on in the comments there between these two individuals. Brown Dog. And you know what? Army 17, it's okay. You don't have to apologize. Hey, Luca. With the Broken Realms campaign books on the horizon and new models coming out for the factions, do you think Death will get a book? Absolutely. And who do you think it will be on? Nagash? Neferata? She already has some AOS novels out. And what models do you hope comes with it? Please give me Neferata and Soul Blight. Please. Please give me a Soul Blight army. I want that so freaking bad. Luca loves vampires. What a surprise. Like, I would absolutely love that. Or a, a new take on Soul Blight. Like, reimagine re re the Legion of Blood, maybe with Neferata, or they could do Nagash too. Like Nagash is a super easy one, but it could be Neferata. I would love it. I would love it if it was Neferata and a Legion of Blood because I would love a new take on vampires and death. They are poorly represented. Please, please give me the vampires. All right, Xanost01, Luka Luka Luka, I really love the Blood Bowl campaign from the beginning of the year and was so sad when it was cut short due to the pandemic. Yes, I know. I was having a blast. I enjoyed your attempt to keep it going with your roommate, but I still wanted to see if Steve's halfling team was going to win it all. Any future plans to run another league when the new version of Blood Bowl is released? Just watching Matt's rants on the game was entertaining enough. Thanks for all the great content. Well, the problem here is that game gets under Matt's skin like nothing else. I don't think Matt will be a part of it, but I might be able to wrangle up some players for a league when Blood Bowl season two does come out. Matt probably won't be included though. There ain't no way he playing. <laughs> Believe me, there ain't no way he playing. <laughs> but I will try. I will try. GBC343, Luca, how are you? I hope you are well. Thank you. I hope you're well. 
Uh, have you looked into any of the new novels coming out of the Black Library lately? I, I have not, but they do look interesting. I've, I've st sorry, I have. I haven't read them, but they do look interesting, especially the horror ones. So, uh, bu -bu -bu, some good ones for Age of Sigmar I have heard are Court of the Blind King and Soul Wars. I've heard Soul Wars is good. Have you read these, and what did you think? I have not read them. I have not read any Age of Sigmar content recently for uh, uh, novels. I've... For me, I, I'm actually just re-listening to the Eisenhorn series. I love that series so freaking much. It is so good. It, it, for me, I, I just, a combination of Toby Longworth and Dan Abnett, it's like a match made in heaven. Love them both, man. I love that series so much. And like, so I'm, I'm almost done all of the Horus Heresy books. I'm making my way to the Siege of Terra. We're getting there. I am on... Talaren, Talaren, the planet, the uh, the the big tank battle for uh, with Perturabos there, I believe, and uh, I'm on that one coming up. I have not read any Age of Sigmar ones. I'm just so distracted. Every now and then, I'll actually read a World of Warcraft one too, because I'm a big dumb World of Warcraft nerd. I've been playing that game for like 16 years, so I don't see myself stopping anytime soon. Play a lot of classic right now, but I also play a lot of retail. But um, yeah, I am. I plan on reading some Age of Sigmar content, but it probably won't be until after I'm done with the Horus Heresy. And every now and then I need a break from the Horus Heresy. I could go into an Age of Sigmar book, but I always just gravitate back towards Eisenhorn or Ravner. I don't know why. It's just I love the writing so much. I love the, the monologue of it, and it's so good. Grim Spark. Fun talk, boys. Thanks for your time. And Candor. Okay, that's Cullen and Josh. Paul, 1284. Good day, Luca. Hope all is good. It is. I hope all is good for you. Triple barreled question. How far have you got with the Heresy audiobooks? Well, I'm on Talarin now, so I'm pretty far. Which has been your favorite one to this point? Probably First Heretic still. Or First Heretic was so good, I also loved No No Fear. I thought the lead up, that like it was like a three-pronged, um, uh, that was the Betrayal of Cal, which was No No Fear. Yes, pretty sure that was No No Fear. And it was like a three-pronged story where it followed uh, the, the ultimate betrayal of the Ultramarines at Cal. Uh, by the word bearers and the world eaters and it was like it followed like three stories like a word bearer captain and an ultramarine captain talking um the human the human forces uh the weird zealous cultists that the word bearers were unloading onto the onto calf and it was really making the ultramarine uh the the like the imperial army that worked with the ultramarines really ner nervous they didn't they didn't know what was going on and then the full scale with the the ultramarines and the word bearers and like how they all like the, the it was like a, a a switch was flicked all at the same time and it was like it was so good. I loved it. But I think First Heretic really got me, but I mean, so does Horse Rising, right? Like, Horse Rising is such a good book, too. Like, oh. Legion was outstanding. I loved A Thousand Suns. Actually, I really liked A Thousand Suns and The Burning of Prospero. Absolutely. There, there's so many good books. So many good books. Probably First Heretic's my favorite, though. Probably. <laughs> okay. Uh, which has been your favorite? Based on their portrayal in the books, who is your favorite non-Primark character? Argoltal. Argoltal. I love Argoltal. He's so cool. Uh, he is the... the I can't remember his exact... So essentially, he is the first of the Galvorback. The, uh, the Chosen Sons, as it translates to. And it is so cool. It is so freaking cool. I love Argoltal. I think Argoltal is a favorite character, too. I think a lot of people like him. Oh, we're almost done. I can do it. Ramtron, in my mind, the hammer is simply the one hand and the fist. The other palm are open. A quick smack of the closed fist and the palm. Hammer hitting an anvil. Also, never read any Sigmar books. Ooh, that might be in reference to... Uh, I, ha I had a question like that quite a while in my last sit talk about symbols. Like, what is the symbol of uh, certain things in Age of Sigmar? Will Wheaton. Hey, Luca. 
I assume it's not actually Will Wheaton, but you know. Uh, <laughs> hey Luca, what are your thoughts on using Dreadnoughts as anti-vehicle and Black Templar list? Absolutely. Which one would you recommend and with what equipment? Are you actually Will Wheaton? Or are you, I mean, I mean, even if you're not Will Wheaton and you're someone who is just named Will Wheaton, that's cool too, I guess. Uh, I just, I like Will Wheaton. Uh, he's a cool guy. Uh, anyways, hey Luca, what are your thoughts on using Dreadnoughts as anti-vehicle and Black Templar list? Absolutely, I love Dreadnoughts. I love Duty Eternal. I think Dreadnoughts are in a really good spot right now for Space Marines, and you cannot go wrong using them. I've had a ton of luck with the Space Wolf, Vendreds, Blizzard Shield, Big Dumb Axe. Bring it on. I take one less damage. I got a four of a vulnerable save, and I got someone behind me hit me with a spanner, fixing me up. It's a good time. Real good time. You can do something similar with the Black Templar just without the four up and vulnerable save. Uh, I mean, do you want like, are you talking about like multi-melta arm? Or are you talking like going in there, like Dreadnought hand and multi-melta? Yeah, probably that actually, because it's Space Wolf unique for the, the axe and the shield there. I, I think it's a great a great uh, addition for Black Templars. I mean, you have, you have access to Eradicators and stuff like that too. Like that's, Eradicators are probably your best bet, but Dreadnoughts can do it. Which one would you recommend? And oh, with what? Oh, so which one? Uh, you could try and do Redemptors with the plasma. The plasma is kind of cool, but the onslaught also does a lot of damage. It's got so many shots now, so I mean, you, you can't go wrong with that. Vendreds with multi meltas. I can't remember all the proper loadouts, but I'm pretty sure a Vendred can take a multi melta. Multi meltas are a great weapon option now. Uh, twin Laz cannons are great too. It's you could do. You could easily do all that. Like they like a Vendred just sits in the back with twin Laz cannons. And or like it just like it just uh, six up to ignore damage. I take one less damage and I'm pretty tough. You don't you don't care about the movement if they're gonna have. But I always prefer my dreadnoughts to walk up the field leading my forces, just mulching enemy infantry and just shooting things with their cool guns. But if you're gonna try and be anti armor, then you want to be kind of in the back shooting. But um, you you can make that work. I, dreadnought builds are definitely a thing you can do these days. And that's it, folks. I've done it even by my allotted, well, I'm definitely over, but I, I made my own time limit I wanted to finish by once I realized that was a lot of questions. And those were long too. I'm sorry it took so long on the first ones, guys. I just get so easily distracted. Now, again, I want to remind you all, because I am running out of time, that next week is going to be Steve the Mountain. If you have any questions for him, follow-ups on Iden, follow-ups on Ideneth Deepkin. Leave a comment down below on the Mini Wargaming website, not on YouTube. Those should be disabled. So if you're watching this on YouTube, Go to miniwargaming.com instead. Find this. If you have a question for Steve, you absolutely have to ask him. And then, bloop, you know, uh, put the uh, comment down below. And uh, you know what? If you have any more questions for me or if you want follow-ups to these answers, you can email me at luca at miniwargaming.com. And I will, I'm pretty good at getting back. Every now and then, I do forget about an email and it takes me a bit to get back to it. But I always get back to my emails. Sometimes it just takes a little bit longer than others. And uh, that is L-U-K-A at miniwargaming.com for Luca, not L-U-C-A, which a lot of people think it's that, but it's L-U-K-A at miniwargaming.com. Thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. Have a great weekend. See you next time.